from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, good afternoon and welcome to this Thursday edition of Washington Watch. I'm honored to be your host this evening. I'm Jody Heiss, a senior vice president here at the Family Research Council. Thank you so much for joining us. And boy, we've got a tremendous program lined up for you. Let me give you some of the highlights. First of all, some good news coming out of North Carolina. A Republican supermajority in that state assembly overrode their governor's veto on a number of bills, including legislation that will protect minors from gender mutilation, safeguards women's sports, and defends parental rights in education. 73 having voted in the affirmative and 46 in the negative, the motion carries. Having passed by the requisite three-fifths vote, the House has overridden the governor's veto and the bill is sent to the Senate by special message. A lot to unpack for you in that regard. That was North Carolina House Speaker Tim Moore announcing the vote to override the governor's veto of HB 808 yesterday. And I'll be speaking with one of the primary sponsors of that bill in just a few moments. And there was some more good news yesterday. We briefly touched on it, but a federal court has ruled against actions by the Food and Drug Administration related to the chemical abortion bill Mifepristone. Today, the Fifth Circuit rightly required the FDA to do its job and to restore crucial safeguards for women and girls, including ending illegal mail-order abortions. That was attorney Aaron Hawley with Alliance Defending Freedom speaking to the press yesterday. And those of you who joined us yesterday, you'll remember we had breaking news. Well, this is it. We'd want to dive deeper into it. And of course, our friends there at ADF represent the parties who brought this case. And so Aaron Hawley will be joining me to cover the details of that ruling. And if you've been missing Tony Perkins, which I'm sure you have, well, you want to be sure to stick around because he'll be joining me a little bit later in the program. Leaders from the Family Research Council have joined other leading conservatives in urging House Republicans on impeachment inquiry against President Biden. We'll be talking about that and you don't want to miss it. And one Republican in the House has already filed articles of impeachment. That would be Congressman Greg Stubbe, and he'll be joining me to explain why. He'll also weigh in on the politicization and the weaponization of the justice system, which seemingly has been on full display in recent days with the indictment of former President Donald Trump. So as always, we've got a tremendous program lined up for you. And as a result, if you, uh, as a reminder, if you miss any portion of today's program, you can always catch it at our website, TonyPerkins.com. And don't forget, there's a lot of resources there for you as well as a host of other archive programs. Again, TonyPerkins.com. All right, let's jump into today's program. Yesterday, as I mentioned, Republican lawmakers in North Carolina used their supermajority to override their Democrat governor's veto of six bills, including three of those bills that we here at FRC have been tracking. There was House Bill 808, which prohibits cross-sex hormones puberty blockers and surgeries for minors, then HB 574, also known as the Fairness in Women's Sports Act, and SB 49, also known as the Parents' Bill of Rights. Well, GOP leaders in the state emphatically responded 
to the wishes of North Carolinians who voted them into a supermajority. And this is why, frankly, we here at Family Research Council encourage you always to vote in every federal, state, and local election. It all, it all, it all matters. Well, joining me now to discuss this is State Representative from North Carolina, Ken Fontenot. He represents the 24th District of North Carolina and was one of the primary sponsors of House Bill 808. Representative Fontenot, welcome to Washington Watch. Hey, Jody. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, listen, congratulations on reviving these bills. Uh, I think uh, the eyes of many all across the nation were watching. Uh, so let's go through these, uh, Ken, one by one. Can you talk about each of the bills? Absolutely. For me, at least, uh, House Bill 808 was a passion, simply because I feel like this research indicates statistically that children are being taken advantage of and parents are being confused and in many senses given false dichotomies. For instance, you'll discover when you look at the case of a lot of detransitioners, one of the most terrible things said to these parents who are in a crisis with, was, do you want to have a dead daughter or a living son? And things like that, when you look at the fact that the research is weak, at best, and that it presumes gender dysphoria to be the driver of other comorbidities rather than the other way around, we have done a grave injustice to these children, especially in light of things like telling these children that these, you know, these surgeries are reversible when they're not, and that stopping puberty has no effect. That makes no sense. The logic does not follow. And so 808 simply put these type of life-altering decisions off until a child's 18 years old or it becomes an adult. And at that point in time, they can pursue those if they so choose. But it's not just, it's not fair or moral or right to do these things in puberty when children don't understand the full ramifications of what they're doing, especially when it's promoted as scientifically sound rather than the radical experimentation that it is. So 808 for me carried a special place because I just feel like we have to protect our children. And I feel like it was the same with 574. You know, proponents of 574 or opponents of 574 wanted to argue there's no biological difference of male or female. And it's interesting because Duke School, one of the meccas of the gender identity movement, their law school released a study saying that in 2017 alone, Allison Felix's gold medal record was broken 15,000 times in one year by boys and men. The same was said of the one-mile record holder, and that at the very least, the lowest male in the lowest level of testosterone is four to five times higher than the highest male, with, than the highest female, than the highest in, with the highest level of testosterone. And that statistically, there is, without a doubt, a physical difference in the athleticism of two athletes of opposite genders given the same training. There's no doubt about this. And to say otherwise is a flat out lie. And therefore, we need to keep biological men out of women's sports. 
And that doesn't even get to the things like girls being forced to change with men in the locker room. Young women being sexually assaulted at school because of these dangerous policies. Or in my state, a young lady was playing in a volleyball game against a trans woman. The trans woman spiked the ball on her and broke her neck. She still has cognitive issues to this day. Lastly, the Parental Bill of Rights, I think, gets to the heart of what we're seeing in Washington, where we're seeing state-sanctioned violations of constitutional law. And what I mean is, one of the things we spelled out in the Parental Bill of Rights is that parents must be notified if their child is having a gender crisis, as well as other crises. You know, we notify if a child is suicidal, homicidal, is having issues with discipline. But why is it suddenly all become that a school can make a decision or a teacher can make a decision whether a parent is trustworthy or not? We as a nation have an institution that does that. It's called the Department of Social Services. That is not the job of teachers. And it is not the criteria placed in a school. They're there to educate. And the Parental Bill of Rights just makes that apparent abundantly clear that it is not right for a school to withhold information that a parent should know about. It is wrong, it's dangerous, and it also creates privileged relationships between teachers, administrators, and students that can, in a time when we are seeing immoral things take place in school, create unsafe situations. So I'm really very, I just feel very honored to have partook in this battle to override these vetoes in a time when we need people to just do what's right. And unfortunately, Governor Cooper didn't. But thankfully, the North Carolina House and in several of those bills, several of our Democrat friends did do right when we overrode those vetoes. Well, you know, this is what makes it so important. Every election counts. And the fact that the voters of North Carolina have entrusted you with the supermajority, it's for times like this that that is so critically important. Uh, wouldn't you agree, I'm sure you would, that this override supports the values of North Carolinians who gave you the supermajority. I mean, you did, as you just described, uh, as a legislative body, the right thing. Absolutely. And it's so interesting because popular media wants to paint this as a cultural war of right versus left. But when you look at the three core issues, parental bill of rights, the gender reassignment bill, and the female and women's sports, you'll discover that the people pushing this, that are proponents of fighting for these things, of keeping women, uh, men out of women's bathrooms, of keeping children from being mutilated, they come from all sides. And there is a oh, huge vocal yeah. part fighting for what was just common sense. And so, you yeah, know, absolutely. Say, it's it, it is common sense. And it, listen, it, it is a it is a strategy of the left. I mean, they, they, I've heard it described, they poke the bear, and then the bear responds, <laughs> and the left blames the bear. I mean, I, but that's the, that's the cycle that we have here. And I mean, even in your own state, I think it was 2016, uh, the media and everyone came after y'all for the uh, bathroom bill, saying it, that, was, that cost your state millions of dollars. I, and look, there's no doubt you're going to face some pushback on this, but what do you think is going to happen as a result of... Uh, in terms of pushback, in terms of this override of the governor's veto? I think, you know, the pushback is not going to be what it was in 2016 for several reasons. 
One, the research and the statistics support what we're doing. Two, our values support it. And then three, what's interesting is that the response from our critics has not been what it was in 2016, because I feel like America knows men don't belong in female sports. And that is not a step forward for women. It is a step back. They have fought hard for those opportunities. And to take them away, especially at the collegiate level, like what happened to Riley Gaines and Leah Thomas, who took her title, is a travesty. And everyone knows this. For instance, the Olympic Committee has passed the same law we did. And the Olympic Committee has not heard anything on this. And they will not hear anything on this. Because everybody gets it. That this isn't just or right. So I'm really not worried about a pushback. Because they know they can't sustain it on moral grounds. Thank you so much, Representative Ken Fontenot. We are deeply grateful for your leadership on this bill and your colleagues there. Uh, great job. Well done. We all give a great big thank you. And also, thank you for joining us on Washington Watch. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. All right, friends, and just by way of reminder, he mentioned Riley Gaines. She will be joining us at this year's Pray Vote Stand Summit coming up next month in D.C. Hope you'll be able to join us. But next, coming up, there was another important court ruling yesterday. You remember we had breaking news. Well, it has to do with our next topic of discussion. A big victory for the pro-life movement and Alliance Defending Freedom's Aaron Hawley will be joining me to break down the details. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Much, much more coming your way and good news coming your way right after this break. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific 
specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss. Thank you so much for joining us on this Thursday edition of the program. Listen, we've got some great news popping up all over the place, as you just heard coming out of North Carolina. And also yesterday, uh, Fifth Circuit Court of uh, Appeals decision, a huge victory for pro-life. We're going to get to that here in just a few moments. But I also want to share something with you real quickly before we get there. Uh, Taste the rainbow. Many of you are familiar with that. It used to just be a motto for Skittles, you know, the little candy Skittles. Taste the rainbow. Well, it seems to be going much further than that these days. As now, if you buy a bag of Skittles, literally, the messaging of the LGBT community is all over the place there. And it's becoming quite an issue and creating quite a stir with many people all across the country. And joining me now to discuss this real quickly is Sam McCarthy, the Washington Stand's new writer. Sam, welcome to Washington Watch. Great to have you. Thanks very much for having me on, Jody. It's great to be talking with you. Well, listen, uh, I, and you're doing a great job with Washington Stand, an amazing job, in fact, and we're extremely grateful for your incredible, incredible input there. But let's talk about Skittles. I mean, how, how innocent can you get than Skittles candies? But it's not nearly as innocent as one may think. Give us the latest as to what's happening there. So as, as you noted, Skittles has pride packaging that they're doing now. And this isn't necessarily new for Skittles. This has actually been ongoing for a number of years. Uh, they've partnered with GLAAD, which is uh, an LGBT advocacy and activism group. And they're giving donations from the pride packages. They've had that partnership going on for the past four years, at least. And they've been doing uh, gray packaging typically because they say that during Pride Month, and of course it's no longer Pride Month, but they say that during Pride Month, your rainbow, the LGBT rainbow, is the only rainbow that matters. And so they forego their usual colorful 
candies and packaging. Instead, they've been splashing slogans across the packaging, saying things like, uh, joy is resistance, be yourself, black trans lives matter, express yourself, be generous with your love, things like that. All of this, of course, is over LGBT imagery. They have drag queens, they have little cartoon characters, blue and green hair. It's, it's mental. Sam, real quickly, I want to uh, jump back over and hit the story that uh, we, we brought, had breaking news yesterday. But do you think this is going to be another Bud Light moment, so to speak, for Skittles? It looks like it. There's plenty of calls to boycott them. And um, this is really the only way that corporations who push this LGBT agenda so aggressively, speaking in terms of money, is really the only language that they speak. So as long as we hit them in their wallets, they'll, they'll get the message. Well, let's do it. Sam McCarthy, thank you for that uh, quick update. We appreciate it very much. All right, friends, as we discussed yesterday, the breaking news coming out of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals ends the availability of mifepristone by mail, requires that it be administered in a physician's presence, and restricts its use through seven weeks of pregnancy instead of 10. Despite this decision, as uh, you probably heard by now, uh, the, the restrictions are not going to take place immediately. The U.S. Supreme Court previously issued an injunction allowing access to the drug until it's fully litigated. Well, now joining me is Aaron Holly with Alliance Defending Freedom, who represented this case all the way. Aaron, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to see you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Well, listen, we've just got a couple of moments, but uh, for, uh, first of all, congratulations. Huge victory for the pro-life movement, huge victory for protecting women's health. Uh, real quickly, what, this, what did the decision do? Uh, and, you know, what are your overall opinion, your thoughts of it at this point? Absolutely. So the opinion uh, was a huge win uh, for the pro-life movement. Uh, in particular, the FDA determined that the FDA had unlawfully allowed for mail-order abortions. Uh, as you know, uh, male uh, women, uh, even scared teenagers, can go online and in a few minutes have an abortion drug shipped to their door take that drug at home with no oversight from a doctor. The Fifth Circuit's decision puts an end to that. It also puts back in place the original 2000 uh, safeguards. And these safeguards include things like three doctor's visits. Uh, the gestational age, as you mentioned, is seven weeks rather than 10 weeks. And just really crucial safeguards, including having a doctor um, actually assess the woman before prescribing mifeprestone, uh, things that make this a safer drug. Um, although, of course, it is inherently dangerous to the unborn child. Oh, absolutely. But what a huge step in the right direction. What do you think this means going forward, particularly in light of the Supreme Court's decision uh, from a legal perspective? What is going to be the pathway of this going forward and what do you think is going to happen? Absolutely. So the Biden administration has already announced that they are going to appeal. And in, in really a crazy statement, uh, both the um, press secretary, Biden's press secretary, as well as the vice president issued statements uh, that called the decision unprecedented. And I think the fact that this decision is not unprecedented, uh, the FDA is an agency just like any other agency, and it also has to hold itself uh, to what is called the Administrative Procedure Act. 
So this is an act enacted by Congress that holds agencies to minimal standards for decision making. And this means that the FDA, just like any other agency, uh, has to follow the rules. They didn't do that uh, for chemical abortion. They bowed to political pressure. And for that reason in particular, I hope and think the court will look at this not as an abortion case, but as a case in which an agency simply failed to follow the rules. They failed to do their duty of keeping women safe, the women that they're charged with protecting. Um, and instead, as we mentioned, allowed mail order abortions without a single visit to a doctor. Well, that's a good point, uh, the whole safety of the drug approach. So we've got about 30 seconds left. Uh, some are saying this is a partial victory for the Biden administration. Do you agree or no? Not at all. I think it is a huge win for the pro-life movement, and I'll tell you why. It makes good on the promise of Dobbs. This means that pro-life states can enact legislation and pro-choice states can't shift drugs into the state anymore. A huge win. Aaron Holly from Alliance Defending Freedom, thank you so much for this update, and thanks for all the incredible work you and ADF do for all of us. God bless you. All right, friends, stay tuned. Coming up, you don't want to miss my next guest. The great Tony Perkins himself will be joining me to discuss how he and a group of other conservatives are calling on House Republicans to begin an impeachment inquiry. Stay tuned. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. Welcome back. Hope you're having a great day. An honor to be with you. I'm Jody Heisch your host filling in for my next guest. And it's an honor to always not only sit in the chair for Tony Perkins, but it's an incredible honor to have him on the program with us. 
is part of a group of conservative leaders who have signed on to a call for House Republicans to begin impeachment inquiries against President Biden. The memo includes 13 points as to why impeachment is necessary, including the president's role in his son Hunter's foreign business schemes, as well as suppressing free speech and targeting political opponents. Well, I'm extremely honored to have my next guest, Tony Perkins, the president of the Family Research Council. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Hey, thanks, Jody, and uh, thanks for filling in for me. You're doing a great job. Well, listen, it is uh, an indescribable honor, Tony, to sit in the chair and behind the microphone that you do such an amazing job uh, week in and week out. I'm, I'm very grateful. Listen, before we get into this topic, uh, you have been taking some time off. Your schedule is absolutely crazy. You need some downtime, but in the midst of this, you also have had some issues with your dad. He's just gone through some very serious surgery. Can you give us a quick update on how he's doing? Yeah, thanks, Jody. And I certainly would appreciate uh, the prayers of our, our viewers and listeners. You know, back when we had our men's conference in, in Houston uh, back in June, my, my dad was over there with me uh, with my youngest son and, and he fell. And uh, coming back after he came back, he did some, uh, went into the doctor and they did some exams and found a, a tumor on his brain. And so last Friday, they removed it. And so I've been spending the nights with him in the hospital, trading off with my siblings as we've given him uh, basically around the clock uh, being with him because he's, he's it's kind of left him impaired from his ability right now to uh, to speak and communicate. And so that's it's coming back, but it's going to take a process. So uh, we're grateful the surgery went well and now just the long road to uh, uh, of recovery. So I'd certainly covet the prayers of our viewers and listeners for my dad, Richard. All right, Tony, and, and listen, all of you, you just heard it. Uh, this is an extremely serious surgery that Richard has gone through, and I'm going to call on all of our FRC family to reach out and pray for Richard and Tony and the family here as uh, Tony's dad goes through uh, a long road of recovery ahead of him. All right, Tony, let's jump in uh, for a few moments to discuss the the movement that you and other conservative leaders are calling on House Republicans to begin an impeachment inquiry against the president. Uh, 13 points in particular. Kind of give us the, the breakdown of this. Well, Jody, it's more of a word of support for the Republicans that are already doing this work. I mean, all most of this is based upon the evidence that has been produced as a result of the hearings that the various committees have been uh, having over the last several months. And so we're just saying, look, the evidence there appears to be quite um, uh, monumental in terms of showing that Joe Biden was sitting on a, a I would just have to say a criminal enterprise. And you mentioned two of the things that really rise to the top. There's a lot of things we could talk about, about the failure of a president being, um, you know, for instance, Afghanistan is one of the points listed. Uh, but, but when you look at intentionality, and when you you mentioned the fact that he repeatedly said he was not a part of uh, his son's business dealings. Well, now we know the big guy was. Uh, there's enough evidence that has come forth to say the president was not only knowledgeable about it, but facilitated these business dealings. And, and, and then on top of that, I think for me, what seals it 
is the evidence that is making its way through the courts, the Fifth Circuit, saying that there's enough evidence there that they have issued an order saying that the Biden administration can no longer collude with social media to silence its critics. Now, that's a very, very serious offense, Jody. As you know, the First Amendment is 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 watertight in terms of the government suppressing the free speech of American citizens. And we have the evidence that shows that they did it when it came to the COVID uh, vaccine, when they came to the COVID virus, and when it came to the elections. Anyone who was raising questions about the elections. And we now know that a lot of the things that people were saying were, in fact, true. And so those two issues alone um, would be enough for the House to proceed when you look at the illegal and corrupt activities of President Biden and his family and this administration. And, and by the way, go back and I can throw in there the laptop as well that we were told was you know Russian propaganda. We again, we know that is not true, although they use their influence in the campaign uh, to go to national security, quote unquote, experts to get them to sign on to say, oh, yeah, this is this Russian propaganda. Again, we now know that was absolutely false. Yeah, it's it's really stunning. And I just found something today that I was not previously aware of, that it appears as though President Biden, when he was vice president, was using false names, Robert L. Peters, among others, evidently, to uh, communicate some of this stuff that you're talking about. It's just, it gets deeper and deeper and more and more ugly, it seems, with every passing day. Let me ask you real quickly. We've got about 30 seconds or so left. Do you, do you think this is going to end up being a pretty significant issue in the upcoming election? I certainly hope that it is. I think the American people have a right to know what this president was involved in. We know they had all these inquiries, over 50 investigations into President Trump that delivered nothing. And they're continuing to go after him with these uh, series of indictments, still nothing. We know that there's stuff there on President Biden and his family. And I think the American people need to know all of the facts. And we support the Republicans in the House in doing just that. That's what they're doing. We're just saying, keep at it. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Tony Perkins, great to see you. Thank you for joining us and God bless you and your dad will certainly be praying. Thank you, Jody. All right, friends, coming up, coming up, Congressman Greg Stubbe has already filed articles of impeachment. He'll be joining me right after the break to discuss why. Stay tuned. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org.
Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded communities. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. This media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories, and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged. Be in the know. And stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. FRC celebrating 40 years with Ambassador Sam Brownback. FRC is a unique institution. I see that FRC's role going forward becomes even more important because the culture has moved so aggressively against a traditional set of values. And we're not talking about imposing values on anybody. We're talking about allowing people to practice values. And that's what what FRC has stood for. That's what it's standing for. That's what it will stand for in the future and why its role is just so critical. Ambassador Sam Brownback, a champion for religious liberties and a champion for Family Research Council as well. Listen, I want to encourage you. You know, there are certain times in life that you have an opportunity to participate in something that actually is going to help move the needle forward in the right direction. Well, September 15th through 17th is going to be such a time as that right here in Washington, D.C. Pray, Vote, Stand Summit, celebrating 40 years Uh, faith, family, and freedom. And the battle continues each and every day for those things. Registration is open right now. As you just saw, go to prayvotestand.org for more details and to register. We look forward to seeing you there. All right, we just heard from Tony why he and many other conservatives have called on House Republicans to open an impeachment inquiry. Well, last Friday, Congressman Greg Stubbe filed four articles of impeachment alleging high crimes and misdemeanors uh, misdemeanors committed by President Biden. Uh, What do these charges include? Why is now the right time to file those articles of impeachment? Well, I'm extremely honored now to have joining me is himself, Congressman Greg Stubbe. 
He serves on the House Ways and Means Committee, as well as the Select Committee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. He represents the 17th Congressional District of Florida. Congressman Stewie, great seeing you. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to see you, Jenny. Well, thank you. And uh, by the way, you're looking great. Looking good. Uh, yeah, I've shed you. my time, so you're Jesus. making me look bad, I got to tell you. <laughs> Listen, before we get into the details, Greg, uh, you, you, you and many others, I mean, Tony was just on me with me a few moments ago and we're talking about the incredible work that so many committees are doing, building a case for impeachment, and you have filed your articles. Why do you believe now is the right time to do so? So for me, it was the evidence that the Oversight Committee had released and James Comer, the chairman, had released of all the financial information as it relates to the payments that the Biden family got, over $20 million from Ukraine, Russia, the Chinese Communist Party. That coupled with the testimony we had from Devin Archer, from Tony Bobolinsky, from all the IRS whistleblowers, to me, it is... Uh, an incredible amount of evidence of crimes that have been committed, corruption that has been committed, bribery that has been committed. And for me, I couldn't just stand back and allow this to just continue and Republicans not do anything, Americans not do anything, uh, patriots like myself not do anything. And so we laid out, I encourage the viewers to go and, and read my resolution because I lay out all of the evidence and the factual predicate for each one of the articles and the basis under federal law. And uh, in my opinion, it's time to start the impeachment inquiry. And I thought by filing the resolution that would start the process. Well, I wanna get into that here a little bit more in detail and, and provide an opportunity where people can go see it. Uh, but you mentioned your, your uh, hearings and so forth where you have, you've heard the testimonies, you've seen the documents, you've been in meetings with these IRS whistleblowers how much did has all of that influenced you? I mean, you mentioned uh, the Oversight Committee and the uh, other some of these other committees doing incredible work, but you yourself have seen so much of this. You've heard the testimony. Uh, at what point did you decide I've got to act and I've got to act right now? Yeah, it's the last couple of weeks with the release of the financial information and then the testimony of Devin Archer and others. And you put that together with the IRS whistleblowers, uh, the other testimony that we've received, like Tony Bobolinsky and all, all of this different information. You put it together and there are a laundry list of crimes that have been committed, over $20 million of which has been received to the Biden family. It's probably more than that. Uh, there's more subpoenas to come that Comer has said he's going to start subpoenaing Hunter Biden's records. So I, I, I think it's long past time the House started. You know, in the beginning of Congress, we didn't want to rush into it and do what the, the Democrats did and kind of make a mockery of the impeachment process by just having secret meetings and then one hearing in the Judiciary Committee, and then they have a vote on literally one phone call that the president made to a foreign leader. Uh, so I've been respectful of taking our time and gathering the evidence. But at this point, I've seen enough evidence being a lawyer and a congressman and, and looking at all this and serving on some of the committees that have received some of the information that we need to move forward. I hope that Jim Jordan and the Judiciary Committee, when we get back in September, will start the impeachment inquiry process, and then we'll get more information. James Comer is doing that through the different uh, subpoenas that he's doing, and we'll have more information in a couple of months. 
Okay, well, let's go through the four articles of impeachment, and uh, I'll just mention one one at a time, and you tell us about it. The first article is uh, regarding abuse of power, specifically bribery. Yeah, so you've got all the payments that have been made uh, to the Biden family, and I'll just give you one example. So there was $3 million that was paid from a Russian oligarch uh, to Hunter Biden directly, and directly after that, there was a dinner meeting between Hunter Joe Biden in Washington, D.C. with this Russian oligarch. And interestingly, when Joe Biden's president, he's, she's one of the few, if not the only, Russian oligarch that's not sanctioned by the United States after the Russians invade Ukraine. Uh, that's one of many examples. you got the Burisma payments of $5 million. Uh, you've got all these different payments from the Chinese Communist Party, the Russian government, from the Ukraine. Uh, and uh, that lends itself to the bribery and corruption charges. And then the obstruction of, of justice charges are based on the IRS whistleblower's testimony of being in these meetings with DOJ officials that wouldn't allow for subpoenas to go out, for Joe Biden, for warrants to be issued in Hunter Biden's name, for them to go anywhere near uh, Joe Biden based on the evidence that they had to execute search warrants. And Hunter Biden's residence, because it was owned by Joe Biden, uh, all these things the DOJ specifically did to obstruct justice. Wow. All right, so the obstruction of justice is the second article. The third is fraud. What is involved with that one? Yeah, the fraud upon the American people and the fraud upon these different entities. So uh, Joe Biden's brother would sell the access to the office and say that, hey, if you give us money, we'll give you the ability to have access at the highest, this is exact his quote, the highest levels of government. And those levels of fraud perpetrated on these different foreign entities uh, to pay money to the Biden family just to have access to the government. And again, all of the evidence that supports all of that is, is underneath each one of those articles. Wow. And then the final article deals with financial involvement in drugs and prostitution. So we have evidence now, and Comer released this, that there were bank accounts that were shared between Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, and Joe Biden sending $5,000 for prostitution, for drug abuse, for all of this. And if you, have I, you and I were uh, sending money to each other to engage in a criminal act, then obviously we both could be criminal liable for that. Unbelievable. Well, listen, I again just want to say, uh, Congressman Stubbe, thank you for your leadership on this. And I, I do fully expect that we're going to see some movement uh, in September when, when Congress comes back. You, you also, and I, I think it's important for our viewers and listeners to, to uh, be aware of this, you also filed legislation requiring the Secret Service chief to file a report following the cocaine that was uh, found in the White House, which amazingly just kind of disappeared. Well, it just went away. And so you're you're pushing back on that. Tell us about uh, that and what you're doing. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've been there as well. In the, in the times when Trump was president, I've, I've visited the White House many times. You go through two or three checkpoints with bomb sniffing dogs, drug sniffing dogs. The only way that that cocaine would have gotten into the White House would have been somebody within. Uh, now they're saying the family orbit of Joe Biden. You have Hunter Biden, who has a history of drug abuse, and now you're ha having the Secret Service who's saying, we have no idea where it came from, despite the fact that it's probably the most protected place in real estate in the United States, uh, and one of the, the self-contended 
largest law enforcement and best law enforcement agencies in the United States, and they can't tell you uh, where where the cocaine came from. So this would require a report to Congress on their investigation and uh, a lot of information that we currently don't have. Uh, recently, they've said it's within the family orbit, and I think all Americans know exactly where that came from. And that's just the, the type of craziness that's going on in Washington that we need to stand against. Yeah, and you're exactly right. You go through a checkpoint after checkpoint after checkpoint, even as members of Congress. And then once you're in the White House, there's video cameras everywhere. And for them to say that there was too many people there, they couldn't really figure out where it came from. It's not a believable story whatsoever. Uh, now, you also serve on the uh, Select Committee on Weaponization of the Federal Government. We've been dealing with this topic a lot. Uh, and, you know, every appearance is that this Department of Justice under the Biden administration is deliberately, intentionally weaponizing uh, the Department of Justice and, and going after political opponents or whomever it is that they want to go about, uh, conservatives or whomever. Is this also part of the reason that you decided now's the time for these articles of impeachment? Well, for me, it was all the facts that we've now ascertained through the different investigations. But obviously, the weaponization of the DOJ and the FBI, we saw that all the way back in 2016 when the secret levels of our government were surveilling the Trump campaign without a warrant using the FISA process to do that based on an uncorroborated uh, dossier from the Hillary campaign. Uh, we've seen it at the highest levels of our government. It's a long past time for Congress to act on this. And uh, I think that Congress, the House specifically, because that's the only body that Republicans have right now, it's time for us to stand up against all these atrocities in the American people. Well, you brought up uh, President, former President Trump and the indictment there. Of course, yesterday, the Fulton County District Attorney filed a motion uh, for that to take place on March 4th. Interesting, just the day before Super Tuesday. And we're supposed to sit back and say, uh, no, this is not politically motivated. How much more political motivation can there be than to set that date on March 4th, the day before Super Tuesday? Yeah, we're turning into Venezuela or... Uh, Russia or, or some other China or communist or socialist nation where you're you have Democrats that are utilizing the justice system to their political benefit and trying to use utilize that against the number one contender to take on Joe Biden in next year, next November, and then setting the trial right before one of the biggest election time periods. I mean, anybody that knows anything about politics and President Trump knows he travels all around the country and does his rallies. And obviously that's gonna hit, inhibit him from doing that. This is clearly, and the American people see that. That's why after every single indictment, you have seen Trump's poll numbers increase because of the complete weaponization of the DOJ and the FBI. And the Americans can see through all of that and they know exactly why uh, all of this is happening under Joe Biden's administration. It's election interference, 100%. This is what they're doing. And it's, it's a sad day in America that this type of behavior is happening from uh, bar certified attorneys. I, uh, I wanted to put a, a clip up here and get your reaction. This is former acting Attorney General under President Trump, Matt Whitaker. He was on with Hannity uh, yesterday, and this is his remarks. I'd like to get your response. They've now scheduled this first uh, uh, 
trial on the day before Super Tuesday where 15 states plus American Samoa are going to go vote. And, and if you're thinking you can prepare for a trial and visit 15 states uh, in the lead up to Super Tuesday, I mean, that's going to be impossible. So obviously what Greg's saying is absolutely right. This is all planned and coordinated in order to try to prevent Donald Trump uh, from being strong enough to win the election in November. Now, we were just talking about that, but the phrase that he said there that really piqued me, that this is all planned. I mean, part of, the, part of what they're coming after uh, Trump and others is that there was a plan to, uh, to impact the election or reverse the election. This in itself appears to be a plan to interfere with the election. Would you agree with that? I mean, what, you, give me your reaction. Yeah, it, it is a, a plan by the Democrats. You know that they're all talking. You know, the DOJ is talking to Weiss and Delaware. You know that they're talking to Jack Smith. You know that he's talking to uh, Alvin Bragg. You know that he's talking to this prosecutor in Georgia. They're coordinating all of this. They're, they're trying to make it as difficult as possible. Trump spent like $40 million defending himself and all this egregious action. So not just the human toll that he's dealing with emotionally, but the physical toll of dealing with having to go to all these places, and then the political toll of the expense to his campaign to pay for the defense of all these ridiculous charges. Uh, and, and these are attorneys that were representing him in elections issues in Georgia. You have every right to do that. I thought Alan Dershowitz's comments were interesting. Uh, Al Gore paid him as his attorney to defend himself in Florida in 2000 with all the issues here. You didn't see any indictments with that because that's his right to be able to defend himself if they believe that there was some type of issues going on, just like Trump had that right. But the Democrats want to take that the way they know that the only person that can beat Joe Biden uh, next November is President Trump. They're going to do everything they can to stand in the way. Congressman Greg Stubbe, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch and for unfolding all this for us, not only your articles of impeachment, but the broader issues that you're dealing with there. Thank you so much for your time this evening. Yeah, good to see you, Jody. Likewise. All right, friends, that wraps up this edition of Washington Watch. And boy, what a plateful. There's a lot to chew on. There's a lot to pray about. There's a lot for us to stay engaged over. Hope you have a fantastic evening. We'll look forward to being with you again tomorrow right here on Washington Watch. God bless. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.